0: Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Uh, before we get started, we're going to start off with the trigger warning. We will be talking about horror culture and uh, horror things, which will involve some disturbing nature, like uh, you know such topics as uh, murder, rape, child abuse, suicide, graphic language, all, all those things. This is what we talk about here, so... This is the warning. If you are here for that stuff, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about fucked up shit. And I can say that now that I got the disclaimer out of the way. <laughs> Next up, we're going to be speaking with musician and producer Spider One. And then after that, or possibly before that, who knows, author Sarah Langan. But today we have the company of author Josh Mailerman. best known for uh, such works as Goblin, this little thing called Bird Box. You may have heard of uh, house at the bottom of Lake. Yes, house at the bottom of the lake. I want to make sure I got that right. And new information has just come to light, man. Apparently also a musician in a band called the High Strung's High Strung, singular. Who did the, the theme song for this show you may have heard of called Shameless, which is awesome. Welcome, Welcome to the show, Mr. Mailman.
1: Hi. Hello,
2: you two. I'm uh, really excited to be here. Hi. Yeah, good to oh, have, a have pleasure. you. pleasure. Sarah Lee is Sarah Lee bar, Laura Lee bar. Mm-hmm. I think was the one that suggested you. Oh my God. Yeah. La- Laura Lee bar is incredible. The person and writer. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. She was a great show. So, in this interview, we'll be asking three sets of questions, uh, and then some follow-up questions at the end. The, the different sections basically touch on your childhood, teenage years, and then adulthood. And we come at it from three different directions because sometimes that triggers memories that you'd forgotten. But if there's anything that you uh, don't want to talk about, obviously, just say pass, and we'll move on. It's not meant to be a therapy session. Actually, before we even get into that, do you? Is there anything that you uh, want to give a plug to before we get started?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, my book Daphne comes out in September, September 20th. Um, and it's actually kind of like a, it seems starting to sound like the perfect novel for this interview in that Daphne mm-hmm. is essentially the embodiment of like a panic attack. So this, <laughs> this ghost, this monster Daphne keeps getting closer and closer in the same way that, you know, uh, a panic attack might. And finally, it's on your shoulders and it's upon you and you can't get out from under it. So Zappy is essentially things reminding of our (laughs) podcast and that is coming out uh,
2: in September. Yep. Cool. Cool. Uh, So starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things?
1: Well, I know the very first horror movie I ever saw was Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, nice. And what an introduction, because wait, first, I feel like I need to say this real fast. So I was outside like playing basketball with my brothers and my cousin And my uncle comes outside and I'll still, I I never have asked him like, what did I say before to elicit this, to inspire him to do this? But he came outside and he was like, when you guys come inside, Josh, there's a movie you got to see. I feel like you will love this. And so we went inside (laughs) and he puts on twilights on the movie. And it's the first horror movie I ever saw. And I'll never forget. The room was, you know, a little dark. We were all kind of sitting there and Right away, with the opening sequence, with the, like, um, you want to see something scary, the Dan Aykroyd bit. I mean, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. I was, like, 10 years old or whatever. But what an intro to the genre, because not only was it anthology, but each segment is so different than the other. We have the societal, you know, statement in the first one. You got the sort of heartwarming, kick the can. You got the anything goes and the most, to me, influential thing I've ever seen from from my life uh in the anthony doing anything he wants with his mind to his family that whole thing in the house oh yeah and then you got the creature feature with the monster on the airplane so i mean it was literally like a horror it was like cramming like the history of horror and the elasticity of horror all into like my first experience with horror and Mm -hmm. sometimes now people will say you know none of your books are the same or, 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 uh, you know, he, like he leaps around. Like he, he, every book is so different from the last one. And I think to myself, kind of like twilights in twilights on the movie, kind of like those like segments, how different they are from each other. And so not only is that my first memory of a scary thing, but it had a profound impact on me. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Uh, what else do you remember from childhood in terms of horror stuff?
1: I remember people talking on the, Playground about movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Exorcist. And I remember thinking, like, it was a, um, like, a taboo place to go, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, to go find those movies and see those movies. I remember seeing Nightmare on Elm. My friend rented Nightmare on Elm Street. Actually, his grandma rented it for us. Mm-hmm. And we watched it in his basement. And he had this uh, theater standee of um, uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 mm-hmm. down there in the basement. And, I mean, it was it was almost scarier than the movie we were watching. Like we're watching Nightmare on Elm Street and over there and the freaking against the brick wall is this like cardboard standee of like a demonic prom queen. And and when we finished that, he asked his grandma to rent part two and she did. And then when we finished that, he asked his grandma to rent part three and she did. So that, that was a really, that was sort of a fun introduction. And John also, that was my friend. He was reading Stephen King before anyone else I knew was, So he had pet cemetery, he had had all sorts of stuff in his house. Um, So he was a big introduction for me in that way. But also other things like, I remember watching TV with my dad and preview comes on, where a guy goes to the foot of the stairs and you just see the back of him and he looks up and he goes, mother? And my dad Mm. leaps off the chair, turns the tv off he's like no 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 no. this is this you, you can't you can't see this i'm like what is that what is that he's like, no, 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 no 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 that's that's norman bates you can't you can't it must have been like it's a little too early for that one yeah he must have been like psycho <laughs> 2 or something i don't even know but i was like what was that you know <laughs> and like uh and and also scary dreams i had mm-hmm. a recurring one we never had a housekeeper but i had this dream that i had murdered our housekeeper, and then my mom, <laughs> okay. my my mom is putting me to sleep, like to you know, talking me in, not putting, and and I'm in bed, and I'm like, wait, mom, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm a little nervous that the housekeeper's like still in the house, and she's like, oh, no, 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 she died. My mom didn't know that I had killed her in the dream. <laughs> but my mom leaves the room, and then I hear down the hall, I hear these like, I don't know why the woman would have been wearing slippers, but I hear slippers on the carpet, like coming up the hall to my bedroom, like she's coming, you know, to get me mm. or whatever. And that that one, that's one of the only recurring dreams I've ever, ever had in my life. And that one was brutal.
2: Any memory of any reason why you killed that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I remember it having, and, and this is like, okay. was it accidental? Fish was it, it my a toys? No, I know.
1: I think this, no, great, great question. Because I had a dream that I once accidentally killed Pam Anderson. But no, I, <laughs> no, I, no, this was somehow in this dream, this was like, I did this, and it was wrong, and like, and I knew it was wrong and I didn't want to tell mom, but I was like willing to like, uh, and she could make me feel better by telling me it's going to be okay anyway, even though she didn't know all the facts. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then, but to hear, it was like the sound of those slippers was like increased with the increase of the guilt of it. Just, I mean, it was like telltale heart shit. And I was, <laughs> I was, like, I was, like, I was like a child. <laughs>
2: I wonder if you knew about Telltale Hire back then. Maybe uh,
1: that's where it came from. It's possible. It's possible because that could have, that could have been something you read in school, you know, or a teacher read or something, you know. Mm. I Depends would do it old if you're. I was a teacher.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't remember whether or not I read it in school. I know I definitely read Poe at that age. Yeah, right. But I, I don't know if I depends on how old you are as to whether or not they would have read that particular one in school. Like obviously the Raven, that one's pretty mild, but telltale heart, telltale heart is a little, a little gruesome, depending on how, how young of a kid you are. Um, and
1: not only that, it's like emotion. It's like so frantic. It's so panic.
2: Yes, it's so nervous. nervous. That's that might be more to the point. Yeah. 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 yeah that is interesting. I wonder why your uncle. Like you say, you wonder why he said that you would love this.
1: Right. So was I like, okay, we're outside playing basketball. Was, was I, I mean, was I like Frankenstein for three? I mean like, wow, what What told him that? Like, you know, not like, I don't know. What did I say where he was like, you are going to like this. I do not know. And an interesting thing this might help is that him and I shared like similar, similar music tastes when I got a little older, like Mm -hmm. the doors and, and, uh, like that kind of stuff, whereas my brothers weren't, well, my younger brother was into it, but my, they weren't as into that. Like my bro, my older brother's into more modern stuff. Right. And, and that's another like link that me and my uncle had. so in other words, like, I wonder if he sensed some sort of a like-mindedness and he loved horror. I don't know. I was
2: just going to ask, did he also love horror?
1: I think so. And, and the movie was, it was on VHS and there was like a stack of like other movies, not, not quite, we're not quite talking like video store where all these horrifying faces are tracking you around the store. It wasn't like, I, I don't remember those images in his house or something, but, but I do remember a stack of VHS tapes and I do remember Twilight Zone movie being amongst
2: them. Hmm. So you've got your uncle, you've got this friend, John, any other friends or relatives in your childhood that were also fans of horror? No, that might, honestly, that might be
1: about it. There was no, um, and I, you know, it's not like I saw my uncle all the time, you know? I I felt Mm -hmm. a little bit on an island with this, but like I said about that playground, you know, you hear someone like talks about a scene from The Exorcist there, Texas Chainsaw and there was a sense of like, it's not like mom and dad love that movie, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, oh that, oh yeah, oh that's
2: fun, you know? It was more like... I thought that was interesting too, because like I you know maybe i just grew up in different playgrounds but i definitely never rem- i don't remember ever hearing about texas chainsaw massacre on any of the playgrounds i played Well on. and then well the other kid, i remember kids saying that those movies were rated
1: x i remember that and i'm like they what? may have been back in those days Yeah they may have they may have been but in my head i i didn't i didn't even know what like, what rated sexual, X like, I didn't know what like a rated X, like, like a, like sexual movie. Like, I didn't know what that was even then yet. Really? You know what I mean? So right. when I heard rated X, I was just picturing like whatever it was that X was like, you
2: shouldn't watch this, you know? <laughs> yes, of course.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did you participate in Halloween as a kid Yeah. And my favorite, uh,
1: memories from that were, um, there was a neighbor who got a loved it still ranks as like one of the greatest jump scares i've ever seen this neighbor there was like a scarecrow on like the front porch on the, on a bench you know and so you're knocking at the door and the scarecrow stands up you know and you realize it's like the dad of the house like dressed up or something right and that was Oh God. I mean, it's just a dude. In, I mean, every, <laughs> there's one in every town or something that does that. But for me, that was like, I want to do that for the rest of my life. Thank you. That was
2: great. <laughs> being scared or being the one that does the scaring?
1: Uh, oh man. That is a Both. great question. Both. <laughs> I just want this moment to exist every day, you know, like whatever just happened here. I want that again. <laughs> and, and I used to, I used to hide around the house to scare my younger brother, Ryan all the time. Like I would hear my dad talking to Ryan about grabbing something from the garage. I would go out to the garage, hide under the car. I'd hear like Ryan say that he's going to go upstairs. soon. I would go hide under his bed or hide in the closet or whatever. But the interesting thing, and this actually happened to me last night, I wrote on Facebook about this last night that when you're waiting to scare someone, you can start to get scared yourself. Like, so I'm under the, you know, you're in the garage, you're under the car and you're like, you're, you know, it's dark. That's the whole point, right? Hmm. And you're like, what else? Because you, you've already put yourself in this, like, s- like, scary state of mind. Like, we are going to scare him. He's going to think I'm this or that. A killer, a monster. So you start thinking of these scary things alone in the dark, in the garage, under mm-hmm. a car. And you start thinking, like, am I alone out here? <laughs> and, and, and that's, like, a super interesting um, aspect to being the one that does the scaring,
2: is that you can scare yourself along the way mm-hmm. psych yourself out yeah <laughs> did you have a favorite costume when you're uh participating in halloween
1: um no in fact I'm, I'm always like a bit ashamed of not being um more creative in that way when i was that age like i was don johnson once from uh <laughs> i was uh that's pretty creative i don't I think i've like, ever seen a don johnson <laughs> <laughs> i was like uh, i like a, like a yeah, no, I was very rarely like some awesome like monster or something. It was more like I think I was a stockbroker once. Like, <laughs> like what, are, what are we even talking about here?
2: <laughs> Maybe I, I mean Don John Johnson stockbroker. Did you guys have like baby suits or something? What do you say? I said, well, between Don John Johnson and the stockbroker, did you have a bunch of baby suits?
1: Oh, um, I had I remember that. I remember the Don Johnson when I had the white Miami Vice jacket and you know and like a money clip, but I don't even like care about that stuff. I don't even know what I was doing. Maybe like, maybe I'd seen it on TV the day my dad said, what do you want to be for Halloween? Who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. Eh, that one. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Man. I'll be that guy. But then like, <laughs> but it is funny. I, because when you, be, when you, when you become like an artist and you become a, a writer and you really, really have devoted your life to this, you do start to sense or discover breadcrumbs that led to this writer's life. But there's also sort of shameful moments where you're like, ah, oh, I wish I had, I wish I was the, the kid in school that did this. I wish I was the kid on Halloween that dressed up like this. I wish, you know, sometimes those early days I, I will, and we'll get to this later. I imagine I had a, a bit of a, I don't know if you call it a psychotic break or a psychic break or whatever the fuck it really? is at age 19, which Daphne is the book details in like almost verbatim for what happened with me. But up to, up to 19, it was a pretty straight life, like captain of the track team, 3.7, 3.6 GPA. Like, uh, I didn't, I think I drank once. I had like a wine cooler once, like a very sort of <laughs> very like, Oh, I'm just going along life and I'm doing it. and I play basketball. It's
2: all I- downhill from there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That night at 19, I mean, we'll get to that or whatever, but
2: yeah. Let's put it a different way. Did you have any least favorite costumes when you were a kid? Uh, none that I remember. Okay. Did anything actually terrifying happen to you in real life as a child?
1: Mm, no, there. I have a, a really frightening ghost story. Um, from, but then I I was already like fourteen by then.
2: We can all right. We can move that. We can talk about that in teenage years. So yeah. I'll just put no, nothing for childhood.
1: I don't. I don't think so. I mean, there were like there were in in Detroit in this area, and there was a there was a uh, like a. And I imagine most areas had this because the seventies, eighties had tons of this, but there was like a a killer called like the Oakland County killer. And Mm -hmm. there was a documentary recently on this guy. I think it was on Netflix. I don't remember, but, and so like there was that stuff going on. But again, as you guys know, like with serial killers, it's bizarre, this wave in the seventies and eighties of that stuff. Right. And there was, uh, like my younger brother lives right in like down the road from the Seven Eleven, where this, this girl went missing and all these kids and blah, blah, blah. And you had to always be with someone else and you had to, you know, mm-hmm. be aware and you wanted this guy caught and all that kind of stuff. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: that, that I'd certainly say that counts
2: as real life horror. Yeah. Yeah. I think the more realistic picture is that there are always serial killers out there. It's just that in the seventies or eighties, it was, Uh, popular to have them in the news yeah you're right you can go digging around and find people talking right now there are a couple different uh suspected serial killers around the nation but nobody's talking about them because the police for whatever reason don't want to say yes we think this is a, a pattern yet yep but going back to this uh the childhood thing and the the serial killer there it, and the other stuff that you know may have scared you in your childhood no no lasting fears, nothing traumatic that has brought been brought forward into your uh, adult life.
1: no, uh, another dream though does come to mind that that has stayed with me in a major way where I'm at okay. dinner with my dad and my brother and i my older brother, and they they just look a little like just a little leathery, and then I <laughs> see around their eyes like I realize like, oh they're looking out like mask, like holes, like, like they're wearing skin masks. Mm. And, and I had this dream very, very young. And I remember it was like dad and Derek are not who they say they are. They're like aliens or monsters or whatever. And I remember the second I realized what they were, they're both, they're both kind of looking at me like, you know, (laughs) and, and that, that was a, that was a major, uh, that dream happened more than once as well. That's, that's interesting. Why do dreams, Recur when you're a kid, but not when
2: you're an adult. At least not for me. I don't know why. Well, usually the whole reoccurring part of it comes up because it's either an, a a long lasting fear or a long lasting desire. Or people like to say that we are pattern finding machines. I also like to say that we're also emotion processing machines. And so, if you get to a point in your life where you have now learned to process whatever fear you know that you were afraid of, then you no longer have a reason to continue fearing it. And then your brain goes, well, I already know how to deal with that. So I don't need to dream about it anymore. That makes a lot, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And the older we get, the more we learn to deal with things. And so it becomes less common as you get older, unless you have something traumatic happen and you, that you're struggling to, to process. Okay. Looking back through childhood and also the the one dream that you just mentioned, I mean, that sounds a bit like, Texas chainsaw. So I could definitely understand if you heard about that on the playground and, and then maybe somebody told you a brief synopsis about what the movie is about. And then you kind of freak out about it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Often when we talk to people, there's like a defining line or def- uh, not, maybe not defining, but just a, a moment in their life where they go from being afraid of horror to saying, okay, now I enjoy this. It sounded like you enjoyed the twilight zone, zone movie, it also sounded like that might've been your first experience. So, or at least the first one you remember. So it sounds like pretty much horror was, has been a positive thing from you from the get go, or was there a moment before which you were like, no, I was afraid at this point, And then happy after this.
1: No. Uh, wow. I've never been asked that question ever in my life. Uh, that's a great one, man. Um, I, no, it's hard to, it's hard to explain, but I, I'm sure that you two will get this. Like I, I loved it, but, it was genuine fear. Also, like it was, like like when I when Allison and I—that's my fiance—when Alice and I watch a movie, I get like legitimately afraid. Like like have to almost hide my head behind her or plug my ears. Or <laughs> she's the one that taught me like don't close your eyes, plug your ears. And she's right; it changes everything. And <laughs> it's hard to explain. Like it's not like I'm like woohoo body count. I'm not like that kind of guy. Like I get like legitimately scared. But I also, for whatever reason, I either love the the roller coaster, the spike of that, or in that moment, it it feels like a flash of like um, uh, what's the phrase? Uh, That there's something more to this life, right? Like it's like the horror of like um, like the great god Pan, or uh, where you're like for a minute, just for a second, you glimpse like that there's way more than you thought here and in that glimpse there's demons and witches and ghosts and monsters and killers and all this and that may sound really scary and it is but also in a strange way it's 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 very optimistic or it's very exciting because if there is more that we don't know that implies there could be that we don't know everything about life and living and whatever and so and in in that mystery i don't know i'm the kind of guy that i don't want all this shit to end and so, you know, um, and so for me, those spikes of fear in those moments, it's not just, and it is like scared, like legitimately scared, but it's also like, hey, there's like a whisper in there too, that said, there's more, there's more to this world than you think.
2: Just really quick. When you mentioned the Greek God Pan, I think you might be making a reference to, and I can't remember if they're the same God in Roman and in Greek, but I'm thinking Dionysius, Dionysius, I think it was Dion- Dionysius is the one that had like the, uh, the followers that would party until they were like orgiastic and then tear, tear people apart. Man. Uh, is that you know, what you're thinking of? You know, well,
1: I was talking, first of all, I just want to say that I, that sounds amazingly fun right now. What you just
2: discussed. <laughs> but
1: I was talking about the short story, the great God pan, which is hmm. uh, Arthur Mackin, And essentially it's like a, a mad scientist who, get like operates on a woman to show her like like you don't realize that there are monsters like the reality that's in the room with us and i'm going to give you this operation where you can see them ah mm. so
2: kind of like uh buck yeah
1: remember that <laughs> so like yeah so it's like that that sense of like this is you know that glimpse of reality and, and of course bizarrely coming from the most unreal place right a horror
2: movie mm moving into teenage years. So what were some of the scary stories or books or movies during your teenage years? Oh, I remember,
1: uh, friends. I think John was there again. Um, I
2: thought you were talking about the TV show. (laughs) Like that was a terrifying
1: TV show. I agree. (laughs) We (laughs) (laughs) were, sorry. We watched, um, the faces of death videos. And that was just Mm. like, that's when I realized like, oh man, this shit, this shit is not for me. This side of this whole Mm. equation. but. I did feel, and I still do find myself feeling like this silly, like horror reader and author's like pride of like I need to see Serbian film. I need to see Funny Games. Yeah, I need badge to see of honor. honor. You got to do these like, things, like, like this, like like silly badge of honor. I need to see martyrs. Right, I have to. I must. You know, you know? And Yeah, and and but to me, it's it's always a little, it's a little silly because I feel like I'm I'm past that. Horror as dare phase. I'm past that badge of honor phase. Like, I'm like, I'm like, and I have been for a very long time. And I still find myself, if I hear about a movie, it's like, it's too brutal. Like, there's a new one called, I think, Sadness on Shudder. Mm-hmm. I see people talking about, like, oh, I had to turn this one off. And I'm like, I bet you I don't have to turn it off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. And then, I mean, it's hard to say because the, those years, man. I mean, that's where everything started coming in. Like the first real horror novel I read, The Face of Fear by Dean Koontz. A lot of, you know, Stephen King books. And I don't think I read Anne Rice back then. But like, you know, I would go to the bookstore and anything with a black spine and red letters. I was like, that's it.
2: You know, I want one of these. Emotionally speaking, usually the first three things that pop to mind are the most relevant. So first I've heard Faces of Death, Face of Fear, and you mentioned Stephen King. Would you if you were to pick one book that comes first to mind, what would that one be? The Shining. Okay. So Faces of Death, you actually said that you I guess you kinda of weren't into the gore? Or no, I just again it was it was sort of like Canon Holocaust.
1: Like, like they're hitting monkeys over the head and stuff. And I don't know if it's real or not. I heard that I've heard since that it's not, but it's just like I was like, what am I doing? This isn't what I'm here for. I'm not here to just like, see like a guy get hit by a train. I'm here for like, did you, Oh, good. did you experience that
2: at the first time you watched yeah. it or was yeah, it, like was like, right like, away?
1: Like my friends, they were all like,
2: Oh, ah, uh,
1: uh, and I was just kind of like, what am I doing here? Was it because of the animal cruelty or just yeah. general? No, I think, I think it was the animal, to be honest with you. I think it was more than any, oddly enough, right. More than the people. Right. But, uh, yeah, I It's not an a argument. common situation. I'm just
2: trying to discern. So, like, you're okay with gore when it relates to humans, just not animals? No, or did, I mean, like, the human I'm, part of it turn you off too? No,
1: I mean, like, I'm not the kind of guy that I don't go to the website, did the dog die? You know, like, no, the dog <laughs> dies in the movie. I know it's just a movie, you know what I mean? Or whatever, I get it, like, but that one was presented
2: as, like... let me Let me rephrase the question. So, Faces of Death also involves... Stuff that is supposedly humans dying. Uh How did you feel about that stuff? Yeah, I mean,
1: are you okay with just as bad? Just as bad. I I really did. Yeah, it was like the whole thing was just like wasn't the scene for me. I I want like you know, I want a tense scene in a in a in a in a funeral home. You know, I don't want to see a guy get hit by a train. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Kind of.
0: I mean, I think that was part of the allure of things like Faces of Death and and even the turtle scene in Cannibal Holocaust is is just the oh, this is real. It's taboo. It's it's not it's not a studio production, but yeah, I mean, there's less entertainment there and more disturbance. So yeah. it is harder to watch and, and you do yeah. find yourself in those situations. Like why, why am I watching this?
2: Yeah. Mm. And that's perfectly understandable. Like I said, I was just trying to define because if you had said that you're okay with the human death, but not with the animal, then that could have been something interesting to dig into. But if you're just saying, no, I'm, I don't want to support the negativity at all. Yeah. That's that's also fine. Yeah, let's talk about Dean Koontz. So, Face of Fear. What did you like about that? I loved that it was one
1: setting. It was in, in like an office building, and oh, really? yeah, and it was like a killer in an office building. And and I can't remember exactly if like a, a man or a woman is, is working late or whatever. Here's there's a killer, but whatever. Like the killer's in the building with him and her, so it's a cat and mouse thing in this office building. But there are like either accounts of what the killer has done before. It was definitely like it felt definitely like a horror novel, and. I was like, Oh my God, this whole book is just like in this building. Hmm. It's not like they go out in the, you know, it's not like in the where in the shining, there's the topiary animals or there's the, the mountain pass to get there. Or, you know what I mean? It was like, this is literally just in this building. Hmm. And and not only that, you know, a sterile office building, not like an ornate hotel. Right. And there was something about that. That was like, so inspiring to me. It was like, You could do something like this. If this guy Mm -hmm. can write a book in an office building, you could write one in in a house, in a, in the woods, in, in a bathroom, maybe in a bathroom, in, in a rowboat, (laughs) you know, bird boxes literally just back and forth from the housemates to Mallory and the kids on the river, back and forth, back and forth. And that's it. Two settings. And I, and for the most part, and I think that, yeah, there was something about that. Just like the twilight zone, the movie, like was an immediate, creative turn on, like I felt like, like inspired to like join the circus. Right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. face of fear was like one of the first times where it was like, Hey man, you could, you could do something small and it could be big.
2: That's interesting. An interesting take on it because there are a lot of different artists and a lot of different mediums who find that placing artificial restrictions on themselves somehow forces them to be more creative. And I thought that's where you're going to go with that. But as you say, it also can trigger people who maybe have not yet gotten into that area to to then be able to say, well, shit, I can do that.
1: Yeah, Right. (laughs) Kind of like the Velvet Underground playing, you know, a three chord amazing song. And you're like, well, I know E-DNA. Like, (laughs) can can I play as like the Velvet Underground? And like a lot of people say that, you know. Velvet Underground, more people, or you know, everyone who listened to the Velvet Underground started a band of their own. And I think with horror or or certain horror authors, Stephen King, Dean Koontz, you know, where it's like there's something uh what's the right phrase? It's just it's a different vibe than reading like Dostoevsky or something, right? Well, I don't know. I, I actually don't feel that way. I feel like inspired by almost anything I read. But that book in particular, The Face of Fear, was like, yes, there was an element of like,
2: dude, pay attention to how little all this is. You can do this. Hmm. Minimalist. Yep. What about The Shining? I haven't read it, but it's Stephen King, so I'm guessing not minimalist. Right.
1: (laughs) Um, it had the, oh man, that bathtub scene and, you know, reading that alone in your house. And, and we were in a house that, um, I just like, I guess we're talking about the teenage years. I may as well tell you a couple fun ghost stories, right? Sure. Sure. My mom had gone to see like a psychic. Okay. And she, and she came home with a cassette tape or something like that. Like she came home with cassette a ca- cassette tape, but it was like sitting on a shelf or something. And I was like, what's this? She's like, oh, don't, don't listen to that. That's from uh, like a session that I did with, uh, I think her name was Trudy. Even the name Trudy sounded like a psychic, you know, still does to me. We have this big like, cassette, you know, double cassette deck, you know, uh, stereo, you know, with these old speakers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When everyone left the house, I was like, well, of course I'm going to freaking listen to that thing. So I put it on <laughs> and I remember it coming through like pretty loud and you hear the hiss of the cassette. And, and my mom says, it was like very close to where I hit play. My mom says, you know, everyone in the house has seen a ghost except for Josh.
2: <laughs>
1: and she's like, why do you think that is? And the psychic's like, well, I don't think Josh is ready. And I was like, I'm alone at home. <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> and I'm okay. I have a younger brother, an older brother, dad, mom. And I'm like, wait, Ryan, Derek, they saw a ghost? Like, wait, what? Like, when you, you know, like if mom saw a ghost, it's almost like maybe, right? But but Ryan and Derek, like my cohorts in
2: existence, my like team. My and- immediate reaction is to wonder <laughs> did like, she create this? Right? And like then plant it right in front plan? of you. <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe>? <laughs> don't, don't listen
1: to this. I thought, like, <laughs>
2: Super
1: Do not open it. and but at the same time, this is kind of weird. And answers something that you were kind of saying before. I was like mad that Ryan, what Ryan was ready, Derek was ready. So <laughs> I, I <met laughs> my mom. My mom told me that, or told us that she had seen something in her like near like the, in her like bathroom of the master bedroom. So I run upstairs. I'm alone again. I run upstairs. I run into the bathroom. I'm like, show yourself. Show yourself. <laughs> And then I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm like, right when I feel like it might happen, I'm like, no, 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 no. And I ran outside. <laughs> uh, that's what I already do.
0: Show yourself. Do it. Wait, maybe not right now.
1: Just not right
0: now. But I, <laughs> I was ready, damn
1: it. And I just showed you I was ready. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, right. So that was, that was insane. And then, I mean, God, I can't believe I'm going to tell you guys this story, but I'm just going to tell you. Um, God, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this story. Okay, let's just do it. Let's just do it. You're excited. I don't know excited. if you guys remember this, thing, like, up all night. Do you remember that? Yeah, USA. Yeah. yeah, USA, up all night, right. So, I mean, back in those days, like, you didn't have much to, <clears throat> like, whack off to, right? Yeah. So, okay. So, the family, so try to picture the living room. So, like, the TV's against one wall, and then there's, the chair faces it, and then on to the right of that chair is a painting, one of those, like, silly, like, the Edward Hopper diner things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like reflecting the entrance to the room, which is over my shoulder, like behind me, but mm-hmm. crystal clear reflection. Like you don't even see the painting; you just see the lights on in that in that mm-hmm. hall in that room. So you literally just see the doorway in the glass, right? Are you, you kind of get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I go downstairs, and whatever. I'm watching you stay up all night, and I'm like, I'm taking of you backing off. All right. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden I see like a figure moving in that reflection. I look up, I don't know if it was like a grown man or like, it was definitely a dude, a dude older than me. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, you know? And then the the figure puts a finger up to his lips. He's like, shh. And then kind of waves me like, don't worry, don't worry. Like, shh, don't worry. Creepy. I, was like, I know. And I was like, what, what? But like, so this wasn't like a corner of the eye. This wasn't, um, I wasn't like, you know, oh, I just smoked weed. Mm. I I didn't just wake up. I, I wasn't going to bed. I wasn't. And not only that, the interaction, like I saw it, I reacted, it gestured. I reacted again. It moved out of the way. Hmm. And then I like, holy shit. Like my, like whole body like on fire with fear. I like leap up, pull my pants. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and then I, like Go running into the kitchen. I'm like, like running there. And not only is no one there, but it's like, it's the silence of no one there, you know, mm-hmm. like, that deafening silence. Yeah. Like nothing. No, no one's like hiding. Like there's nowhere to hide. And in the lights bright and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like standing there. Like there's no movement in this house. I run upstairs. I wake up my older brother. Were you just downstairs? He's like, he's totally asleep. Like saliva <laughs> mouth. And to this day, I've asked him like, was it, were you downstairs? he's like, no. And like, That was the freakiest fucking moment of my life. Yeah. Because it, 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 again, it wasn't corner of the eye. Now here's the thing. I feel like it's important to say, especially to two psychology minded, psychologically minded gentlemen Mm. is that I didn't feel guilty about like touching myself. I didn't feel, I mean, I'm even here talking to you about it now. I didn't feel, I mean, I guess I'm a little weirded out, but I didn't feel like, like what I'm doing is wrong. I wasn't like that worried about, you know what I mean? it went, Mm wasn't I, like I you
0: got caught or anything, but no, it's, it's just the, the general situation of you're overtaken this. by the, what the fuck is that? Right. Exactly. Like that's right, more important you know, right
1: now. Right. And also if you're masturbating all day, every day, well, then when you see a ghost, you're going to be masturbating. No, 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 never mind. <laughs> <right. laughs> so anyway, anyway, so that story, God, it still haunts me, man, because it was like peering around that corner of that entrance and the finger of the lips, like, Shh, no, 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 don't worry. But without mm-hmm. saying don't worry, just kind of waved his hand, but it was a, it was a, like this gentle gesture of like, no, no, no like, it's okay. Stop. Like, don't worry. And then gone. And remember, that's on the heels of like a year before hearing that tape and everyone in the house oh. had seen a ghost. Oh, setting. that was before. Wow. Okay. Well,
2: then but then you would have. No, 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 no,
1: no, so- no, no, no. I was saying that was on the heels of like a oh. year before I heard that tape. So.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So let's touch on some of the other questions for teenage years. Did you participate in Halloween? Um, 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 um,
1: I must have, but I, I don't really remember what that entails right now, but I must I mean, have, did
0: you maybe like switch from costumes to going to parties instead? It's a common occurrence.
1: Like I said, those, those teenage years were mostly pretty, pretty straight, you no, know, like drinking. I mean, but I was, I was hanging out with the runners and the, and that stuff on the run on the cross country team. Uh,
2: I don't. I don't really have memories of Halloween from those years. Okay. As far as friends or family that were interested in horror, I'm guessing obviously your uncle's still around and this friend John from down the block. Uh, anybody else? Well, John got like less interested, but I think that in a sense, like so did I.
1: Like I, so that not really. It's hard to say. Like not less interested. It was just other things were happening, like track team right. and girls and. But I, in my teenage years, I was trying to write short stories and poems and stuff. So, so keep that in mind. Like we have begun these breadcrumbs of a writer's life, but in terms of mm-hmm. other people, no, I didn't have many. I, I can't even actually think of one. Cause like John, that seemed like for him, it was sort of like the door closed on that period. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uncle moved to uh, Denver and I've only seen him a handful of times since then. Okay.
2: So diverting into other things uh, in teenage years is also not uncommon. A lot of people. Have the same thing. Uh, let's talk about this psychotic break you mentioned. Th- that You said that happened in your teenage years? 19. Okay. So, again,
1: Captain the Track Team, this and that. Just a real quick recap. At age five, I had tried to write a novel and failed. It's still something that bothers me that I didn't finish it. I wish that I had that right now. <laughs> then I uh, made comic book, but they were really just a character on each page, like a new character each page. Yeah. Then. Yep. Came like the worst emo poems you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> then came legitimate stabs at horror short stories, some of which are kind of cool. This is all while, you know, I'm going to go to the uh, University of Michigan in Michigan State and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, I don't know, my dad's an accountant. Maybe I'll be an accountant. Maybe I'll be a lawyer. Maybe I'll be, who knows what I'll be, right? Captain of the track team, this and that. Yeah. And at age 19, I was at my mom's house. By now, my parents my parents got divorced when I was 15. And at 19... I'm at my mom's place and I'm, she's not there. She's with um uh this amazing guy, Dave, who she's still married to now. Ryan, my brother is there, but he's asleep. So he's 17 and I'm 19. I'm just walking behind like the, like the, this couch. I'm like behind, I just remember standing behind the couch and my like hand upon the back of the couch or something. And you'll hear like a phrase, like, you know, um, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Right. or, or uh, do unto others as you wish have done unto you, right you know done unto mm-hmm. you, blah blah blah. <clears throat> and, and one of these phrases crossed my mind, but it didn't it didn't go in one year and out the other. It took root, which was you can do anything you want with your life. and it didn't it didn't just like pass through and then like leave. It was like an entire new truth all at once. It was like it took root like instantly. Where I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I Like, this isn't just something to say. I could uh, leave the house right now. I could just walk out the door and keep walking until I died. I could save up money and fly to Alaska. I could kill someone. I could marry someone. I could write a novel. I could make a movie. I can die. I can live. I can swim. I can jump. I can do whatever. Literally anything I want to do with my life, I can do right now. Mm-hmm. And it was so unbelievably overwhelming. So True and so big and so scary that I called nine one one on myself. <laughs> okay, and I I called nine one one. I'm like, listen, I don't I don't know what's going on. I I can do anything I want with my life. I can do anything I want. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, I'd like to hear a recording of that okay. call. <laughs> yeah, well, God, I wonder if Sir, sir yeah. this is a Wendy's. Yeah, You're yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're like. And they were like, uh, wow, uh, like, uh, are you you on drugs? Have you had anything to eat? (laughs) No, they're like, are you on drugs? I'm like, no, 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 I'm not on drugs. And I'm just like, like totally having like, dude, like, like, like the, like that great God pan, like the curtain has been parted and I'm realizing I can do anything. I can be anything. So at 19, I'm standing on this couch, call 911. They come, they came to the house. They're all in like the, the living room with me. They're like asking me about drugs and other stuff, but they're, they're also <laughs> a little worried. Like maybe this guy's having an episode, I'm sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And they bring me to the doctor, to the hospital. So, and on the whole drive there, I'm like sitting there with them. Like, God, like you realize, like, like, do you guys like, I mean, you know, not, not ju- Do you guys like your job? Cause they, you don't have to do this. Like you can do anything you want. You know, I'm like out of my mind with this truth. And it was like truth <laughs> too soon, you know, like too much truth all at once. And uh, by the end of it, like, oh, I called my mom at one point at Dave's. I was at the hospital. And so she was eventually going to come get me. But the doctor said, I guess I'll never forget this. He goes, I think you're just drinking too much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's and a I good diagnosis. And I had, I, yeah. And I had kind of like, quote unquote, come down by then a little bit. Mm. And I, even then I was like, no, that's not it, man. No, <laughs> I, just, I just realized I'm going to become a novelist. And it was like the doors like exploded open all these, all these breadcrumbs made total sense, like trying to write this book and trying to do this and, and loving these horror stories and, and all this and it all coalesced into this moment. And then I was like, that's it. And then I started trying to write my first novel, like, like a month later.
2: It's interesting because my first thought when you're starting to describe this is, I'm like, well, that's not really a psychotic break; it's more just an epiphany. And then, and then you get to the part, part where you call nine one one on yourself. I'm like,
0: now we're okay. in psychotic break territory. <laughs>
2: nah, nah, we might be going. That
0: is kind of awesome, though. Like, yeah, I mean, I've I've never really had such a, a grandiose reaction to it, but I do occasionally just have that. Um, I don't know that existential crisis of, well. If you can do anything, then nothing matters. And what's the point of it all? And, you know, you just, your brain keeps going in that cyclical pattern of that, but to, to have that, I don't know, maybe the, the cyclical pattern had a recursive tumble on itself. And, and that's why you had a break.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, it doesn't sound like it was recursive for him. It was just wide open and then you picked one.
0: Yeah. It was all of a sudden just once
2: it was like, it was like, um, happily on the, on
1: the path of, you know, good grades, captain of the team, all that stuff that I keep saying. Hmm. Happily, innocently, naively, even uh, mm-hmm. on this like path, and then it was like, uh, like the driver of my car like pulled over and was like, "Hey, buddy, like get out here." What? <laughs> like, like, no. Like, what? Nope. No. Yeah. It was like that's really what it felt like. It was like it was like somebody like um, unknown. It was like a Dickens novel. Some, this is like, your stop. Mysterious benefactor was like, "Hey, buddy, get off the get off the beaten path. Like, there's a whole world for you out here, mm-hmm. and and it like really." And it it was like the
2: greatest thing that ever happened to me. There's um, a series of books out there that I only read one of them, but it's called Good to Great. Um, It's a management philosophy, not course, but it's a book about management philosophy. And one of the things in there that they talk about is what's called the hedgehog concept, Mm -hmm. goofy analogy. But basically what they're talking about is having one thing that you do well. And just focusing on doing that one thing and, and not worrying about other things. And it sounds like you early on, at least, you know, 19 years old said, okay, this is what I want to do. And took that road. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, that that's interesting. And then not long after that is when the bandmates, they've been playing since we were like 10 years old. We've all been best friends since we were like 11 and they had been playing music. Uh, two of them, especially had been playing music and they were unbelievable with drummer and bass player. If you know the song the luck you got from shameless you know it opens with that amazing bass solo Mm -hmm. and that's chad on bass and that's derek on drums Mm -hmm. and at some point around 19 it it just kind of worked like hey josh you're writing all the time and and another friend mark you're writing all the time we play music like write us some lyrics yeah so mark right right so mark started singing like those terrible emo poems i told you about over derek playing the drums and and me playing an organ that that chad kind of taught me how to play right just like c and g like ding 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 right that kind of stuff but that was that 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 uh break i don't know what else to call it but that break that thing got that prison break it almost feels like like i like i escaped and not not that life was bad before that just It's hard to explain. There was just so much more that I just didn't know, you know? And Mm -hmm. I was just starting to discover. And so after that prison break, like the band starts, I try writing my first novel. I don't finish a novel for 10 years, but I try and I fail Mm -hmm. at that four times or whatever. That's a, that's a, I guess for the next learning process. And yeah. So like the whole freaking world opens up there, man.
2: Cool. Just out of curiosity, you mentioned uh, one of the bandmates' name is Derek. I think you also said you have a brother named Derek, yep. same person?
1: No, 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 not the same. Uh, Different Derek. Yeah, yep.
2: Just out of curiosity. Um, did you have any recurring dreams as a teen? <sighs> uh-uh. Okay. So, I guess moving into adult years then, let's talk about like if you were to pick the top three things off the top of your head that uh, affected you as, as an adult in the horror genre, what, what would those three things be?
1: Okay, well I know one for sure because I had gone on sort of this this bender, um, where I was reading, remember how Barnes and Noble, maybe they still do, had all those like classics. They sort of like print the classics up and it'll be like Barnes and Noble, uh, Jane Eyre, right? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. They have that section where it's like the Barnes and Noble books. I think so, yeah. And I was kinda of, like tearing through all the Barnes and Noble classics, or all the classics. I was tearing through like Virginia Woolf, and uh, Hemingway and Faulkner and Fitzgerald and Ralph Ellison, just like barreling through the classics. Right. And I almost felt like, because in college at near the end of college, at least I had started to try to write novels and I felt like I didn't read what I was supposed to have read. And when, whatever, I moved to New York with the band. I'm in in my early twenties in New York and I'm like, I'm going to read all the books I should have read. And while I'm reading all those, the next classic up was Dracula. Okay and i read that book and i was like it was almost like oh yeah like i hadn't i hadn't been in the horror house in like a minute a, minute, a few years or something you know what i mean like we were talking mm-hmm. the teen years things were a little like thin that way and then i was like oh my god oh my god right dracula it reminded me that you can write a horror novel that's also a classic we don't have to just write the blob right which would, mm-hmm. i guess that's a classic too but you get what i'm saying like there was something that was a profound experience reading Dracula. I freaking love that book. I mean, I wrote my first novel, my first horror novel at 29. That was profound, but I, I think you're more asking in the outside of myself. Just a fan. Yeah. God, it's almost too hard to answer. There's just so much of it, man.
2: Let me ask it a different way. What are, of In your adult years, what if, the, if you were to pick the top three things that you're the biggest fan of? Oh, you know what? A major
1: one, major moment for me was discovering the Creepshow soundtrack. Why the soundtrack? Because this opened, like, I I wish that I, that we were on video right now. I would, I would show you this horror vinyl collection, um, Mm -hmm. where this opened a love affair with like horror movie soundtracks. And I have like, there's hundreds of them on vinyl in this uh, closet just beyond the computer that I'm looking at. Yeah, I'd say that, that Dracula was major in terms of in terms of writing. I'd say Rod Serling in terms of storytelling and, and narration, and I'd say uh, that Creepshow soundtrack in terms of like uh, mood and music and and that whole world.
2: I'm wondering when you said uh, Dracula, like horror, can also be a classic. How would you define classic? It was just like a sense of like this, like Moby Dick is
1: like, like this too, like this brilliant frightening adventurous like story that at the time was was or were they both were kind of seen more as like schlocky right popular stuff right and they're just absolutely genius on par with anything you've ever read and i and i think you know that's inspirational as hell for a guy who fancies himself or or uh, uh has walked in both worlds like both like the horror paperback you know any, you know, like l- I'll read a book about like a, like a, a killer bookshelf, you know, I'll, I'll read a book hmm. about like a killer doorknob and I'll be like, woohoo, you know, and then, like, <laughs> also hmm. love Dostoevsky also love Tolstoy also love like, so for me to, to see that, like, I was like, Oh, this, you can, you can do both at once here. And I think, I think a guy that really probably has done that really well uh, would be like Tarantino, somebody who like brought like genre to like a, like a, a different place or something.
2: Yeah, I can understand what you're saying. A, one of the things that we've run into in the show in the past is obviously talking with people who are in the business. Uh, There's definitely a, a cerebral love for some of the stuff. Personally, at least I find a lot more truth kind of comes from the emotional part of it because whatever emotion draws you into and not just horror, but anything that you love. You know, then the more that you learn about it, obviously you can become more cerebral about it, but the underlying core is still the emotion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I kind of think of that as the, as the spirit of a thing. Yeah. You know? So going back to something you said during the, the childhood section about how you were both basically terrified and excited at the same time, let's look at it from that point of view. How did, did Dracula elicit that response for you? it wasn't quite like that. It wasn't like, Oh my
1: God. Like I I'm legitimately like frightened out of my freaking mind. You know? No. (laughs) In fact, it kind of takes books are a little different in that way. You know, I think that the movie, because there's always the threat of something sudden in a movie. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And and not just,
1: just like sudden, like something, maybe you don't, you know, you don't want to look at or something. And like, I, I think books are a little different that way, where it's more like you're kind of like you sink into like the, the swamp of it, the swamp of horror, like of the genre, or something, versus you know, versus walking down like a hallway in a haunted house or something. It, it it's more like immersive, and you're just kind of like with it. But like obviously, you know, with a book, you can just easily. I don't know. It's just different, or something.
2: It's like walking down a hall and peeking around a corner. You have to walk down the hall before you can peek around the corner. <laughs> yeah, like you say. There's. I don't want to say there aren't jump scares in books, but. It, it, it's not exactly the same. Like there are, there can be shocking moments. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. Definitely.
1: And, and when people pull that off in a book, it's like amazing. Right. We're all, we're all Oh man, yeah. you did that. Like, holy <laughs> shit. like, wow. You almost want to like, it's almost like uh when bus drivers nod to each other or wave to each other, like you want to like wave, yeah. you want to like wink at the horror author. Like,
0: you did it. <laughs> like, ah, you got
1: it. You got <laughs> well it. done. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Let me ask a different question then. Is there, has there been any horror media in your adult years that have elicited that kind of response? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like tons of movies, tons of movies. I like, again, I scare easy. I I think, I think one of the joys of horror for me is this sense of like arrested development where for the duration Mm -hmm. of the book for the duration of the film, I am able to believe that this stuff is real. I'm able to like get scared. I scared easy because I like, I'm, I'm believing it. And, and so for me, that comes back to what we were saying before and the same thing you're talking about right now that that, um, in that scare, there's that suggestion that there's more, that there's more out there, that there's more, uh, after this life, I mean, I mean, you know, obviously someone would argue seeing a ghost of any kind is the most optimistic thing ever because it implies there's more. And so I think the arrested development um, and maintaining that arrested development, the way that I can almost check that or, or see if it's still here is through a horror movie. So, so like, have you lost your youth? Have you lost your childish, your childhood wonder, wonderment? Uh, put on a scary movie. Let's see. Hmm.
2: Right. Any uh, any reoccurring dreams as an adult? My dreams have become really bland. Um, I
1: remember one where I'm like just sitting there in this, like, sitting on the ground in this like waiting room of a hospital or something, or a doctor's office, let's say. Now I'm just sitting there, just like waiting, just not even nervously, just waiting. And and there's like a, a mom and a child, maybe like a, in two other chairs, and they're just waiting. And then I wake up, and I'm like, I was talking to someone about this, and I'm like. Is it possible that if you're if you're actively attempting to you know face your demons and figure yourself out and look into your thoughts and your philosophies and like we are right now, the three of us talking, if you're actively doing this all day every day, does it stand to reason that you wouldn't need to in your dreams, and then your dreams would be really freaking boring?
0: Mm,
2: maybe. However, I mean, for example, the one you just talked about, waiting at the doctor's office, and you say that's it, I'm just waiting. I mean, then the initial question I would ask to that is okay, well it, within say 48 hours to 72 hours of that particular dream, was there anything in your life that you were just waiting on or that you were felt you were waiting on? And, and yeah. we would talk about that. Oh, that's a great, yeah, man, you, you have such good questions. Yeah. That's a great one. Um,
1: because I do feel often um in this sort of holding pattern these days where I'm writing as much as I ever have. And like, here we are talking, but there's like, there's like, film side stuff, right? Like we're shopping to Daphne right now. Okay. We're shopping like the film side and there's almost, and there's so much like exciting. There are so many exciting elements of this, uh, who we're working with, who's the who the screenwriter is, who we're shopping into the fact that it's my most recent novel. And we're doing this with all the, just so many things that it's almost hard to go like, just Sally forth into the future without this being settled or resolved first.
2: Right. I will. I will pitch one of my own quotes. <laughs> Albert Einstein says, "You can't move faster than the speed of light." I say, "You can't move faster than the speed of life." Yeah, no that that's that's a that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I needed to hear that right now. <laughs> mm. uh, let's see. There was something. Oh, I was going to ask you about the uh, the one where you accidentally killed Pamela Anderson.
1: Yeah, what happened there? One, Did was, you put her in a burlap sack first? In hindsight, this is going to sound like so like phallic, and then like I feel weird about it. Um, <laughs> Dreams but, are uh, often phallic. That makes sense. But, like she, she was like in a car, and I had some <clears throat> long metal pole that I like ran up to the side of the car and like jammed it through the car door, and it went like through her also, like through her like 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 a rib cage or something. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh shit, oh no! And I'm like the kind of person that doesn't know when I'm dreaming. And I was like, so freaking worried about her. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I, I, I was just trying to be funny and slam this against the car. And it, I, it looks like I've killed you, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> Oops, yeah, that was, that was, uh, I felt terrible and I was like super apologetic and horrified.
0: I don't know why. Just hmm. the way you said looks like I've killed you. Just makes me think of like somebody saying in a British accent, like I'm so, I'm so i was thinking the same sold, thing. But, yes. you know, I, I, I meant to just spear this pole right through the car and it, it appears that I've, I've inadvertently killed <laughs> you.
1: I apologize, My dear. <laughs> That was amazing. Thank you. Wow. Now I know. Now I know to use you if we ever need like an English accent. Or it's like I'm going to call
2: you. <laughs> it's an interesting dichotomy i guess there that like you say i'm just trying to be funny but i'm afraid i killed you like there's there's this you know you enjoy horror but like you were saying earlier it's it's both at the same time you've you've got the fear and the pleasure at the same time i'm wondering if there's something that happened in your life that maybe just a general fear of people in in general like like fear of how, how the public will respond to what you enjoy. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. I was going to say peer, fear disapproval.
2: Whoa. Yeah.
1: I absolutely have that. Wow. How the fuck did you get to there?
0: <laughs> what just happened? Well, you, feel like
1: you just pulled the magic trick off. I really do. I feel like, that, like you're like, we're going to some pushes about youth, uh, young manhood and adulthood.
2: And well, like the description <laughs> that you gave, you're like, okay, I killed this person, but you're like, I'm sorry. I was just trying to be funny. Like it, I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm. I. I like this. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I. I sometimes worry that I'm like too. Um. Way too aware of that. And 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 I would say like the the in inside like the writing of the books and whatever. I'm. I'm not worried about. It. I'm not. Uh, what's the right word? I'm not like uh, curbing myself for that. Nothing like. That. You just let it flow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. But in conversations, I can. I can find myself like being a little bit like. Uh, not wanting to let someone down or not wanting to like be perceived like the wrong way or something. Like I'll, mm-hmm. and when I read a book review and it's like uh, Josh Mallory like d- does this or something and I don't, that drives me nuts because I'm like, no, 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 that, that's not me. That's not me. I, like I don't, so I do have like a fear of being like misrepresented or something. So if someone's like, and this is more in step with what you just said, if someone's like, cause people will send me messages all the time. Right. They're like, you might be interested in this cause you like horror. And it's like a girl killed at a rest stop near here. You know? And I'm like, Whoa, 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 dude, dude, <laughs> like I'm talking about like ghosts and, 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 and haunting. Like, no, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not interested. I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, like fascinated by that. No, don't send me that man. You know?
2: Yeah. It's a broad topic and not everybody understands an individual's place in it. You know?
0: Yeah. yeah. So guess- but it's more like uh if, if it's fictional characters, it's okay. You know?
1: Yeah, but I, I guess I would say it's probably fairly commonplace for any human to, uh, you know, fear of how they're represented or, or worry about this kind of thing. But, right. uh, you know, thanks to Bird Box, like, I, am, you know, a little more in a, not a public sphere, but it's not like that kind of thing. But thanks to Bird Box, like, it's a little, like, you know, it's a best-selling novel. And so mm-hmm. I do have some sense of, like, wait, I don't want to be misrepresented out there.
2: Right. So, The last couple questions that we ask here, these are, um, your entire life overall and not just related to horror. And I'm going to give you the first two questions at the same time, because it could be the same answer for both questions or different answers. But looking back over your life, what would you say is your favorite movie or book? I'll take books too, since you're a literary person. And then what movie or book have you watched or read more times than any other? I'm going to say movie is probably who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. Hmm. Okay. And I've only
1: read a couple books twice. The shining was one of them. Um, and I read Absalom, Absalom by Faulkner twice. And so let's go to movies with that. Um, oh man. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. I, I do watch who's afraid of Virginia wolf once a year. So that might actually be the same answer. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. What do you like about that movie? Again, it's the, it's the unbridled like energy in one setting. It's mostly just their house it's the like holy shit dialogue between them all it's the highs the lows the the reality the unreality the um the fights the love the joy it has so much in one i mean you can even argue it all in the first 30 minutes um it has just so much it's so elastic for such just this little setting and for the single setting and i'm not like like you know uh like chained to the single setting thing but it i guess there's like a th- theater side of me that does like i think it's cool I, li- I like it and and whatever but the writing behind that one and i'm i'm literally looking at um a hardcover of the play from like the 60s uh it's on my bookshelf like facing me right now and edward albee i mean that is weird i don't know when's the last time you two watched that movie but the writing in that is just out of this universe Hmm. Don't think I've ever watched it, actually. Oh my god, exciting. It's gonna blow your lid. <laughs>
2: hmm. Well, all right, let me ask a different question, then maybe we'll come back to that. So, do you see any common threads about what kinds of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical, body horror, psychological?
1: Yeah, I got- I mean, it's it's weird. I really do jump around. Like, I love them all. Like, I'm I'm just I'm kind of like conceit first, like idea first over um over like uh subgenre. So if there's like a genius cannibal like idea or a genius like, you know, metaphysical idea or just a holy cow
2: brilliant vampire idea, um okay, let me ask a different question then what is there a common idea that you find yourself loving over and over again?
1: Uh in my own writing I see it for sure, which is this sense of almost like the monster off camera, right? So so bird box, obviously we never see the creatures. Um, so it's like, the, you know, everything's off page. I wrote a novel about, um, an exorcism where these two kids are playing, uh, they're like friends they're, they're always relegated to the basement to play video games. Well, meanwhile, upstairs, there's an exorcism of the house like this, like builds up to this and they witness, they overhear the whole thing through the basement room, the basement ceiling. Right. And so, and another one where a guy builds a real house of horrors beneath the phony carnival house of horrors. So always like, in mm. a, a house at the bottom of the lake, here's a haunted house, but it's underwater. So I've seen a lot in my um, things that I'm interested in. It's like, here's your, here's your regular framing. Now I'm going to, you now tell the story in this space, in this space, but I'm going to aim the camera over here this way. And I really, there's something about that sort of oblique angle on it. That um thrills the hell out of me, and I'll see my, I'll say to myself like, "Hey, you got to stop writing. Like everything that doesn't have to be so, you know, uh, like this." But then I'll be like outside, and I'll have an idea for another thing that's like fits into this this realm we're discussing right now. And I'll be like, "Oh my
2: god, I'm writing that next. I got to write it next." Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you said some a word phrasing wording that I I like. Basically, said that the oblique angle thrills you. Do you know what it is about the oblique angle that thrills you? it's just a a
1: new perspective on this subject that I love so much. Right. Like literally it's, um, it it implies like creativity uh, and imagination at play. It implies like, and like a, like a quick mind to me. And I just value, I cherish all those things and like artists and that I read and write is like this, when I say playful, that doesn't mean like, um, it has to be fun. Like playful is like elastic, imaginative, like, where the hell did you come up with this brilliant idea? Even if the idea is very like small and brilliant, um, it doesn't mean like you know delicatessen like that movie. It doesn't have to be the craziest
2: thing, right? Mm. And I think that's why those things. It's interesting that you say that because that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. I thought what you just described is would be saying a bleak angle, almost kind of, but being able to see the thing but from a unique angle but what you were describing is kind of not being able to see the thing. At yeah.
1: All. Yeah. You're right. Or, or, well, but you know, that's, but not, that, not, not dogmatically, not like, you know, bird boxes. Like it was like, uh, I chanced upon or fell into the boat with Mallory and like the most, it was the absolute perfect idea for me to write. And like, I, I almost feel like there's times where I'm like, I still like. I'll come into my office and I'll be like, "Oh my god, thank fucking god for Bird Box, you know? <laughs> like, thank god this one happened because it's like it's everything I'm into." But that, that doesn't mean that I want everything to like be like we're never showing a monster or a ghost in it. No, no, of course I have a million, you know, a million mm-hmm. times, blah blah blah. But there are different ways to do this. I'm trying to think of like one more example of that. Hold on. Well, even *Carpenter's Farm*, which is like kind of a newer one, it's a bunch of friends on a farm. And they start eating the crops, and the crops are personality traits. So, huh. so gradually through the book, they're you know, hey, you, uh, Chris, do you, if you want to want eat some humor, do to eat some empathy, some pity, some uh, stubbornness, some forgiveness? Maybe your girlfriend cheated on you. you want to eat some forgiveness to forgive her? You know, and like so, there's okay. something there's something oblique about that as well, where it's like, or, or it's like, uh, what? Where's the center here? Who like by the end of the book the characters aren't even remotely themselves anymore. Certainly not who they started as. So those kind of
2: those ideas, those conceits, are real exciting to me. Well, the natural follow up question of that is why. Um, I think the answer you may have already kind of touched on, which is the new perspective, Mm -hmm. which allows for who knows what. I guess the the last question then is why horror? Because couldn't you? delve into some of these same questions in other genres say for example sci-fi or i don't know what else. Uh, you know sci-fi has always been too sludgy and cold for me i don't <laughs> mean, like
1: like I, re- like I remember or I I, I I sometimes equate like you know like in sci-fi like if the sun died it's like we we'll get this description of like how long it took the light to reach the earth and, and 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 how fast light travels and like what was happening to the planet as the lights dying and, and in horror you could just be like the world went dark, mm. <laughs> and i was like, that's all I need, man. The world went dark. Sun died. World went dark. Let's roll, you know. And like, I don't know. There's, there's, I don't know. Yeah, no. Why horror? I think it goes back to where we uh, started before with, with, with that legitimate, with the legitimate scare where you're like, li- like you're actually scared. Like it doesn't feel good, man. You know, you you know what I mean. Like the there real. There's no scare- feels good man moment. And like, it's like, like, it's not like, woo-hoo, Oh my God. No, it's like, you're actually fucking scared. Like you're like, you know, uh, you want, I want Allison in the room where I'm like, Oh my God. And you're like, why am I watching this? Like, I'm so freaking scared right now. I can't even like, you know, in that moment, there's something so peaked. And so, and like we were saying, we were talking about before, there's just, it seems like
2: there's endless possibilities in there. The core of what you just said there is if you were to say, you know, why horror, the core answer I got out of it is because fear. Yeah. Yep. 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 If I were to summarize the call so far, the three things that I keep hearing from you are fear childhood wonder, and there's more out there a hundred percent. Yep. And so I'm wondering if there's anything, how can I say this? I'm wondering if there's anything that's really tied to those three things, like one defining moment of your life or, and if not, that's fine. Um, it could be just a ge- a general feeling.
1: Well, it's interesting because it sounds like what you're like when you put those three together and then ask that question. It almost sounds like there like a near death experience as a kid. Like, was there? Did you have fear? There's more out there and child of wonderment,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have to be a near death experience, but maybe an experience that triggered something like it. The the awe inspiring oh. part of it, I think. Actually, you know what? a good A good word here, sublime. Do you know what that word means? Yeah, because I ask because I I never really understood that word until I was an adult. It's a band, right? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) but that's not how I mean it. So, for others who might be listening to this who don't understand what I'm talking about, so this has come up in other calls before one of my favorite authors is this professor Joseph Campbell, who described basically the concept of something that's sublime is something that is so large and so powerful that it diminishes your ego to where you're just looking up in all like, Oh my God. Yeah. Which is essentially the entire plot of bird box. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm wondering what, Like if, if you think about that moment, was there one moment in your life that. I mean, I, I I can't help, but
1: keep returning to that, to that 911 call that sense that Leviathan gargantuan, like, I guess you, as you said before, Chris, I think epiphany, one Mm -hmm. of you use that word. That moment was sublime, man, where it was like, there was like a Leviathan stepped into my head and, and was like, I live here now. And all I could do was like, stare up like in
2: awe and be like, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, is there anything that you can think of that relates to this that we haven't talked about? Maybe something that came up in the call earlier that you were like, "Oh I, but I never got to talk about that
1: no, I, the only th- the only thing was when that brief moment about talking about arrested development, but like cherishing that that that's that's the only that, that's something that has crossed my mind often you know during this, that that childhood test, like put on a scary movie, that whole thing and like. It's hard it's hard to explain because like it, the those and I love that those were the three I wonder how are those the same three like words for everyone you talk to or no? Like when you said no. fear and wonder man and are those was that similar? No, it usually no. comes up with
0: like a two or three word summation of every call. It's always different.
2: But it's not those three. Yeah. Um and just some background. I mean that's part of the reason that we're doing this is oh, yeah. you know, we do feel that horror fans in general don't get under as understood by mainstream society is as they could be. And so the idea is to understand what is it about people? uh, What is it about horror that people like, and yes, there are different buckets that different Mm -hmm. people fall into. Uh And hopefully the more people we introduce, interview, we get more data points and then you start to see patterns and, you know, so you are, you are a mark in this direction. Let's put it that way. Awesome. Yeah.
1: I just, I don't know. I can't think of anything else that like it was on on my mind. Like, I I feel like (laughs) you guys are like really, really good at this. And like any, anything (laughs) that I wanted to, or that was coming to mind, you kind of got there before I did
2: almost. I like what you said about coming back to the appreciation though, because the three things I said, fear, childhood, wonder, there's more out there. It does leave out the fact, as you say, the appreciation there's, you can have a sublime moment but going back to those moments to appreciate them is I think a valuable thing. And as a matter of fact, in a different way, that's actually what I kind of get out of horror. For me, the, the, the common um, subgenre is cosmic horror because it directly touches on exactly that on the sublime. So that's like uh,
1: the, yeah, Lovecraft, the great God pan
2: would be like that too. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thank you for your time. This has yeah. been a great call. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. No, that was, that was <laughs> wonderful. I, like, unless there's something
1: else, that, that, no, that, that I, last I question, I was like, is there wanna, anything else you want to talk about? I just think it's really, 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 really cool what you guys are doing. Um, because like, I would sometimes kind of go off on something because I just have a tendency to do that. Like most people do, mm-hmm. I suppose. And then yeah, yeah. you just kind of stay the course. All right, here's another question about your teams. Here's another. <laughs> and there was like, it's cool. There was like a sense of like, um, you said it wasn't a therapy session, but there was still a sense of like scientific study that I almost picture like Bill Murray. Right. And I'm, I'm over mm. here, guessing which card you're holding up and like, I'm sorry. It's square. When you <laughs> brought up those three words at the end, I I'm over here. You can't see me. I like looked at the screen. I was like, and I like, pointed at the screen and I was like, this guy's fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> like that was awesome. That was really, really cool. And I I think it's a really super interesting thing that you guys are doing. I've never, definitely never experienced something like this. And I've, and I've done a few podcasts now. This is amazing. We
2: appreciate your appreciation of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, Thank you to anybody else out there who's listening. Uh, If there's somebody that you'd like us to interview, let us know. There's a whole list of people that we'd like to interview on our website, on the episodes page. If you, know anybody uh, can get us in touch with any of those people please do Um, just let us know how we're doing you can support us on Patreon buy us a coffee all kinds of stuff if you like what we're doing tell a friend